0: episode 7 of lost in translation with Bobby Martin. I'm Sam Perkins as always we're coming to you from the WCTV studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts and today we are joined by Boston University head coach Joe Jones. Thanks for joining us coach. I'm excited to be here. I can't believe it's been uh, you and year 17 now, 16 now. <laughs> well,
1: 12. Uh, this is year 12 at BU. Okay. And then uh, it'll be nineteen as a as a, as head, a head coach. coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a young guy anymore. I'm an old head like the like, like the young kids said.
0: I'm an old head now. Twelve at BU. I remember when they hired that was twelve years. You were at the yeah, press conference. that was that yeah. was uh, it feels like yesterday, but it was yeah. a lifetime ago. You're now the second longest tenured basketball coach in BU history, I believe.
1: I saw that? Behind
0: Dennis Wolf, Wolf, think, okay, yeah.
1: Wolf, yep, yep.
0: yep, who were who were actually celebrating this summer? This summer, I know yes. Rashad, Rashad told me. Yeah, Rashad oh, great, was like, I, I actually, a couple of my friends from those teams. I was like, "Are you guys going?" And they were like, "What?" Is it? And I sent them the flyer, and they yeah. were like, "Oh, I, I think I might have to book yeah. book it
1: to come out." So. We got to make sure they're all getting it. I'm going to ask you for the yeah. For their, I got I got, I got a lot of contacts
0: yeah. of them, so be great. Don't invite Rashad. Invite Rashad. <laughs> that guy's boring. <laughs> Don't invite Corey either. Oh god. He'll eat, all, he'll, eat, he'll eat all the food. He won't be able to understand the <laughs> word he says, and He's then he'll be gone. Be there. <laughs> well, I, I'm really excited, um, you know, to have you in here because you're a coach that I've respected a lot, and it's interesting the the respect that I've had for you actually has grown a lot as I've gotten more removed. From the game, when we got to know each other, I was doing the website, I was covering it, you know, and I, I moved on from that for the most part. But I've learned over the years that I think a lot of people that are, unfortunately, in every industry, but in industries like like college hoops, are not maybe the most honorable people. And the more and more people I get to know, the more respect I have for you from everything I hear, who you are as a person, as a dad, just as a human being that is in an industry that doesn't always. Um, place a premium on being a good human being, I think. Oh,
1: man, I, I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, that's, that, Those are unbelievable words, um, and, you know, I, I think I've been blessed to have a father um, who was just visiting me. He's 82 now, uh, that that raised me and my brothers and my sister a certain way, and then I just had great people along the way, you know, kind of show me the way, and, you um, know, you know, kind of provide some some direction and some mentorship uh, and some opportunities that um, have put me in a position to do what I'm doing now. Um, I just talked to my my college coach this morning. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's 73 now, and um, he left me a message early in the week, and I had to get back to him, and we had a great talk. Because I spent a lot of time with him and his family when I played for him in Oswego State, and talked to Jay Wright last week, and he was getting off the beach,
0: and so I've had these
1: wonderful people uh, that have really. Um, you know, really helped me and, and nurtured me and developed, uh, helped develop the the coach and the person that I am.
0: Were you? Because I know that your trajectory through a coach, you started off. You were a guidance counselor, right? Yeah. And you like were coaching middle school basketball. I know yeah. you were a player, obviously at yeah. at, at Suny Oswego, uh, which is Division three school. Yeah. Um But were you thinking about a career in coaching all along, or when did that? When did that come about?
1: That's a great question. I was, you know, I was like, you know, like Bobby, like the rest of us, probably like you as well, that, you know, when I was a young guy, I just loved sports, you know, and played all sports, played in the, in the, in the playground. You know, um, I was I was just one of those guys, uh, one of those guys that was thought of himself as an athlete from a young age. Um, and then, you know, uh, I got really serious about basketball uh, and started to understand I had to put more time into that. And that kind of been became my you know, my love uh, It's probably eighth, ninth grade um, and wanted to, just wanted to play in college, you know, and thought of myself as a division one player. I wasn't nearly as good as this dude next <laughs> to me. I wish I was, and ended up, you know, going to a great place for me that was a great fit. Um, and then what happened was the summer before my freshman year in college, uh, my best friend's older brother um, was a college player. Uh, he was my idol. Uh, his name was Robbie Weingard. He actually led the nation in assists uh, in 1985 when he graduated college. And he said, "Hey, come with me uh, to this place called Kutcher Sports Academy. It was an overnight camp uh, for eight weeks where you'd work. Uh, the Maurice Stokes game is played there yeah. every year, um, but it's really a it's really a, a haven. It was a haven at that time for." For basketball, college basketball players, uh, they had their own league. We played other other camps, um, and so I had I I was able to play against Division one players the whole summer because th- that's the guys who worked this camp. And I went there, and um, I also was a counselor for a bunk of ten kids in a bunk, <laughs> me and a co counselor, and that was that was a lot of fun. And then I was also a coach, and I coached and trained. I coached and work with kids during the day. And, and the first practice, you know, they, they, we had to pick our team and then we coached our team. In the first practice, I, I, I really remember feeling, um, you know, just this this overwhelming um, emotion while I was coaching and I'll never forget that, you know? And, and that's kind of when I was like, wow, this is this is kind of a different feeling that I've never had this before. You know, even as a player, I never yeah. really felt, kind of felt mm-hmm. the way I did in that first practice, and I think it was just one of those deals where, you know, I'm a emotional person. I have a lot of passion for the game, and outside of playing it, that was kind of a different element of, of how I got in tune with that part of who I was.
0: I would never guess emotional watching you on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of when I knew I, I wanted to coach, and you know, I was I was fortunate um, when I was in college, my, my high school, my college coach was the one that talked me about, you know, working in, in, in edu- education, and that's how I became a guidance counselor. I stayed two more years at Oswego State, got a master's in counseling, became a guidance counselor, went back oh. home to Long Island, and then I was a middle school guidance counselor, and I coached the middle school basketball team, and then... Things just evolved. The guy was working for a new Rolie Massimino, new Jay Wright. We went up to Villanova camp, brought the whole program from the seventh graders up to the twelfth grade, and I met Jay Wright for the first time in uh, 1988, 89. and um, we became fast friends. And the first, you know, he got his first gig at Hofstra, and uh, actually gave me a call and asked me if I would be interested in interviewing for a position on the staff, and that's how it how it happened. Um, You know, it's uh, it's an unbelievable story because I I did not think I'd ever coach college basketball. I thought I'd be, you know, a high school coach.
2: Mm. So as, as a head coach now, you started off uh, talking about your history as a guidance counselor. (laughs) So now as far as guidance is concerned, it took you a long time to learn how to be an effective guidance counselor. You knew what to look for, you know, where were the triggers? So now as a head coach and I'm asking this question because I'm looking at where the game is today. I don't see kids emotionally prepared to be guided, mm, mm, okay? Mm, so how do you mm, actually mm, guide? Because mm. you knew the time it took you to, to, to be able to be effective in guiding those kids. Mm-hmm. You can't always guide them. Mm. Part of it is they have to guide themselves, or you're looking for people on your staff that help guide them, all right? How difficult
1: is that? Wow, that is awesome. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm giving him a dap right now. I'm <laughs> dapping him up because I think that be, that has become like the essence of coaching now. Hmm. And you said it a lot of times. They're really not prepared to handle the adversity that comes with being a Division One basketball player. They're great kids, but they have a hard time handling things when things aren't going their way. The nicest kids now struggle with that. Right. Right? And so... You know, I, I literally today I I sat with our sports sports site people, kind of going through our plan for the summer to try to help that, to try to nurture these relationships and help them learn how to handle these tough moments that are gonna come. You know, and so that's that's what we do. I think I I I'm I'm always trying to evolve as mm-hmm. a leader, and I think that's one of the things that I I fully understand that I can't coach tomorrow like I coached five years ago Mm -hmm. that I have to evolve Um, and that's one of the things I love about what I do is that you have to continue to work on your craft and get better and how you connect to kids how you communicate with them so one of the things that her and I talked about because she's been to some of my practices one of the things we talked about was how I need because I'm a very um, emotional guy I'm a very uh, I'm hyper I'm I'm excited you know and and so I get on guys and and sometimes that's not always handled the right way. And right. so now it's like, okay, how can I say what I need to say to get the result that I want to get? Because that's the bottom line. Like, mm-hmm. It's not about me feeling, you know, having them feel like I'm the coach or I'm in control. I don't, I don't right. need any of that. Right. Like that. Those days are coming, come and gone. Now it's about how can I enhance this kid's ability to do what he does well? How can I help him improve? How can I help him grow? how can i help help him have a growth mindset you know instead mm-hmm. of being regulated to oh i missed a shot i put my head down or i missed an assignment now i you know now i'm in the dumps you know how can i help this kid handle those situations and so i have to be able to deliver my message in a different way now so it's a goal, goal mindset versus a growth mindset there you go just, so okay. i'm i'm working on that's so one of the, to answer your question i'm working on my craft so i'm better at doing what you just Asked me about can I because I want to be able to lead at a high level I have to be able to adapt.
0: I, I feel like it's kind of a delicate balance because uh, the good coaches you need to adjust to ha- to how kids are you know today tomorrow the next day which is something that wasn't always done in the past They you know rub some dirt on it and just don't show your feelings and mm-hmm. I don't hear about it but at the same time also you know is is kids do need to also grow when they're there I always as an athlete I'll be honest. I sucked at taking feedback. I was terrible at receiving feedback, like, at not internalizing it as like, this person doesn't believe in me or like whatever. And it's, it's a skill that I still try to, as a, as an adult, as a grown up, I'm trying to work on taking feedback because I want my sons to take feedback better than I did. What advice do you have for kids? Cause as a coach, like you are going to try and deliver the message as a modern coach who's evolving in a way that they're going to receive it, but they're still going to have to, you're going to have to deliver some blunt stuff sometimes. And what advice do you have on kids on, on like taking feedback for at, like athletes?
1: Yeah, I, I you know like I, the same advice that anyone would say you know listen to listen to the to the message not how it's being delivered, um, you know. I think, I, I, and I'll, I'll go the other way. I think I have to be able to give some of that blunt feedback, but I have to be able to give maybe some stats, maybe some video. Mm-hmm. I have to offset some of those things with showing them. Why you know maybe why they're they're failing at something or why they're why they're not doing as well as they think they're doing? So you're bringing the receipts like they would say. You got receipts <laughs> <laughs> because I think right now like I'm I'm coming at you mm-hmm. and guys are being the like way you were. They're being very defensive, right? Right. Like that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. All right. Let's let's look at the facts. You know, and and let's show you the facts. And I think the more you can you can give the receipts and you can give the feedback but you have to have receipts now and then you also have to work on the relationship so now they're not as defensive as they once were you know some of this some of this is on us as leaders because we're dealing with a certain type of kid now yeah. that no matter what you say that's just who they are yeah. you know so i right, i could say well that kid that kid's messed up i can't well this is what you're dealing with so how can we work on that? I just hired three young guys on my staff and the number one thing I told them is their job is to help bridge this communication. And I want feedback from how from what they think the kids are seeing because they're that age now yeah. and help me help me help them.
2: You you mentioned evol- you wanted to evolve as a coach, you wanted to we all evolved as players. So But in order to do that, was it, my question is, was it actually the coach or was it the guy looking in the mirror? Because at some point, the evolution is going to involve an involution, right? You have to be willing, right? Learning mindset to actually learn. And a lot of times, education is painful. Yes. Right? I am not as good as I thought I was.
1: Yes. Man, yes. this guy yes. is on
2: yes. my butt every yes. day. Yes. I was the man where I came from, yes. right? Yep. And you you mentioned, you know, a different type of kid. So, you know, what are what are the main influences? Maybe it's that you've got a bunch of lights in your face. Right? You're so concerned about all these lights shining yeah, around yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. that you, know, you, you don't yes. get in touch with the light you go yeah. Not if you go to BU. Not if you go to BU. You know, you never get in touch with the light within yeah. yourself. Yeah. How do yeah. you
1: grow from yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. It, it's very difficult. Yeah. And, it's a process, mm-hmm. but it's a process. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that we all have to understand is this is a different kid. You're right that at some point, it is what it is, though, right? It is what it is. You have to get better at those things. You have to be able to accept criticism. But I also think it's just a process that you have to understand that you're going to have to work to chip away at this thing as a leader. That you're not just going to get – because I'm as you're talking, I'm thinking into my head about my team. And I'm thinking about individuals on yeah. my team. <laughs> and I'm thinking about, like, all right, I'm just chipping away. Mm-hmm. I'm just chipping away because they are defensive. They are having a hard time. And also the world around them is so different than when you and I grew up. Mm -hmm. Like, so all the things that we learned and and we had to go through, these kids, you know, they're hearing something completely different. They're hearing about name, image, and likeness. They're hearing about their own brand. They're hearing about the transfer portal. They're hearing about basically things that when things are not going well for me, I have an out. Yeah. And we didn't hear that. We were not able to go home and start complaining. Your dad and your mother were saying, shut up. That's your coach. If you're good enough, it's going to work. That's all you heard. And, and you not, did.
0: Yes. Not to mention social media, too. I'm, oh. I'm not trying to bang the drill. But, like, if it existed, you know, I graduated high school in 2002. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is going 20 years ago. feels like yesterday Sometimes It does feels feel like, tw- tw- How is 20, 20, yeah, 20, 20 years ago. 20, 20 years one. ago already. But, but if, if Twitter, if Facebook, and if the, you know, can't, like, amazing camera phones and being able to put if it existed back then i wouldn't have graduated high school i would have been i don't know where i would have but i would have been in some kind of trouble for real and 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 let alone college so i don't i don't know how kids and coaches navigate this whole social media world where like everything you do as a con and kids are emotional i was very emotional and impulsive and like you get mad you get whatever you get inebriated, you're, you just post something really stupid that's going to come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. I, I would not want to be a coach dealing with that.
1: Yeah, right that now. that is a true component. Like that is a, and everybody knows that, But that it, that's a huge impact on what these guys and how these guys are feeling about themselves. I mean, this is listen. This is a this is a this is a man. This is a big time job trying to be the leader of a of a division 1 sport mm-hmm. in basketball now it is it is a much harder job than it was 5 years ago because of all the things you're talking about and to try to keep those guys like the thing is like there are times you can keep them focused on the right things and shoot two weeks later you're looking around going oh my god then you got to get them back on track like can mm-hmm. you just be a program that this is this is how we do things this is how we play we are very consistent to do that is really hard. It's really hard to do because of all the other influences that they're getting. That we had, we didn't have to deal with any of that. Right. You know. Right. We just stepped in yeah. line because there were no other, There was no other way to go. Like, the, first of all, wherever we played, there's one team. There's not four different options. You couldn't just jump on another team. There was mm-hmm. nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Your parents were telling you this is the way it was, and then you saw the older guys doing it. So you're like, okay, yeah. this is how I got to do it. I, I can't complain. No one's listening anyway.
0: You know, number one, I will say, in, in just talking about it, in just in the last 20 years and talking about BU, there's no way if social media was 20 years ago what it is now that Rashad Bell would have made it through four years at BU. I'm going to say that right now, uh, my guy Rashad. But um, as, an, as, a, as an aside, um, or, or not as an aside, but as more of the, the focus, like, I, you said something that, that struck a chord with me, which is I wasn't good at feedback, but... I didn't have great relationships with my coaches and you talked about relationship building and the coaches that I received feedback from much better were the ones I felt like genuinely knew me and cared about me as a person beyond just being a student athlete and yes you need a certain level of ability to play at that level you need you know certain natural ability but um you, for me the coaches that that relate to their players and I'm not relate doesn't to me mean like baby them or anything but like that take a genuine interest and have a genuine relationship with their players. I think it goes a really long way. And I think that it, for generations of players and coaches, was very underrated. It was like, no, they just need to get out there and play for me. And that, what is your view on building relationships with players? Because you guys, I know the transfer portal hits everybody, but I've been shocked that you guys haven't been hit yeah, the way, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and, and we'll talk about the COVID era in a second yeah. where you could have, your kids can have six years. or yeah. There's even yeah. a couple that have had seven in a yeah. school and I was looking through the roster, you know, from a distance, and I was like, like two years ago probably, after, I was like, oh, yeah, Walter White, he's going to be gone. He's too good. <laughs> and he's been around for like yeah. 75 yeah. years yeah. now yeah. at this yeah. point yeah. and yeah. hasn't transferred or, yeah. you know, yeah. soup made, uh, uh, he'll yeah. trans. You know, yeah. you just – when there's a guy that's that comes in as a freshman and they're almost too good to stay four years now where you can just transfer and not, and not have to sit out yeah. – Um, It's been shocking to me to see the consistency of your roster and your best guys are staying um, from freshman to end of eligibility. And I feel like that has to speak to, to your relationship with them because BU is a wonderful school. It's a great campus. It's in a great city. But BU alone is not enough for kids that could play at a higher level to come there and be like, oh, we're playing in case gym, and there's like 200 people in the seats, and I'm going to stay here for five years when I could go, I kill it year one or year two, and I could go up to the Big East or the ACC or something. So um, that's a very long-winded way of saying no. talk about your relationship with your players because I feel like it's got to be pretty, pretty good.
1: Well, I hope it is, and, and we, we work really hard at it, and that's really why I coach. Honestly, I love the game. But I coach really because I love being around young people. I love helping them develop. I love helping them figure out that next stage in their lives, what they're going to do when basketball is over. We spend a lot of time. Like, like, look, man, I have – right now I have a roster of 16. We have nine guys that have paid internships this summer. Wow. When the season was over, the first meeting we had with each kid was we have a, a woman that's in career development and leadership. She runs a kind of a combination of that in, in our department. Me and her sat down with each kid and met them where they were in their process of figuring out this next step. And so some of our guys didn't have resumes, they worked on resumes. Some of the guys that had resumes, they they were a little bit further along. We were able to kind of help some guys uh, reach out to some alums and contacts that we had. And we are able to kind of put, put that in motion. And the guys that don't have internships right now, they're moving towards that next summer. Mm-hmm. And so, these are things that I think are important when you're talking about that relationship because this is everything to do. These are all things that have nothing to do with basketball, you know. That we're saying, hey, dude, you're. We respect you for who you are as a person, and our job is to make sure. Part of our job is to make sure that you have an idea of who you want to be when your playing days are over. We have to right. work towards that, right. and let's put some time into that, and let's invest in that. So that, that's an example of what I'm talking about. And then you know, I think we. We we had some special guys. I thought I think overall we do a really good job of of making guys know that we care about them. And then we had some special guys too. I think you 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 gotta give you gotta give some some onus to Javante McCoy, who was a good enough player to Mm -hmm. leave Mm -hmm. you know, any year he wanted to go, he could have moved up and played. You gotta give some some love to Soup Matone, who turned into a great player as a senior and even a better one as a super senior and could have left and yeah. played at a lot of different places and we all talked about Walter White he could have left after year one yeah,
0: and he, Walt's going
1: on his sixth year but let me tell you what happened with Walt so Walt comes in as a freshman and him and I had, you know uh, Walt was raised by his mom and you know he had you know, some tough situations growing up and wanted to have someone that was a, a role model male role model for him and someone that he thought he could have a connection with and him and I really kicked it and and had a great great relationship during the recruiting process and it's only improved now and and one of the things that walt said to me in his freshman year is like coach i just i want to be able to help people and i said okay he said i'm thinking about uh becoming um a social worker and that's what his mom does and i said look that's great i think that's a an um you know honorable profession i was a guidance counselor myself i said but i think you could do something that could maybe impact more people. And I said, I think we should start to look at the field of public health for you because I think you could get into a lot of things within the field of public health that can help you. And so on my block, on my street, Joe, Joe Allen, if you look at CNN and during COVID, he was probably on all the time. He's yeah. the, he's the, he runs uh, public health at, at, um, at, uh, at Harvard. And so Walt worked for him after after his freshman year, and he's worked for him every year. And Walt got a so now Walt has a master's degree. He's working mm-hmm. on his master's degree wow. in field of public health. And this summer again, he's working for Joe Allen and his team. And you know, Walt's going to be able to to do a lot of great things. You know, for you know for for individuals that that need someone that that will speak for them. You know, because he's going to be putting that in that position now. You know, from what he's been able to accomplish academically at BU. You know, so now he's got a chance to go. And I didn't, I didn't, like, I thought he was going to go after this yeah. year. Like, I, I, I literally, I said to him, I'm, I'm saving a scholarship for you. And he said, well, I don't know if I want to come back for six years. And I said, I absolutely understand. I didn't have another conversation with him. Then the year is over. He comes up. He goes, I, I'm, I'm going to stay another year. And I freaking, huh. you know, did cartwheels, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I, I think, I think all the things we're talking about, I, I do think all the, all this, all the things that we've done together, uh, the time that we spent together, um, helping him try to figure this out. I, I do think there's a connection. Why, why go somewhere else? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think Walt also understands that a lot of these guys that have moved up have not done well.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not easy to go from being a big fish in a small pond.
1: And you have to learn a whole new system. Yeah. so,
2: we're talking about the guys that quote unquote get it. Okay? Yep. What about the guys that die on the vine? <laughs> what about you know, without mentioning names, what what you have some, some you of those advice. would you give the guys that die on the vine, yeah. what do they share in common? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a dude, you guys are asking great questions. And that's a super one. And that's something that we have to watch out for, so so now what I do is like, if I have a guy that died on the vine, I have to remember that during the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. And I have to be able to communicate that to my staff, like, all right, these are things we gotta look out for yeah. in the recruiting process, you know? And I think the one thing is the inability to change. Like, I think like, I get it. I get what these kids are going through. I understand that, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm loyal. To a fault, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm very loyal. I'm patient, and as long as I see you adapting and improving and trying to improve, I know there's gonna be some challenging conversations. I know there's gonna be some 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 challenging, you know, dialogue going back and forth at times. I I I understand that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But there's gotta be some growth, bro. I can't keep having the same conversation from freshman year to sophomore year to junior year. I can't keep having that same conversation because, and then I'm I'm watching the same behavior, and I'm seeing the inability to 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 improve as a player. When I start seeing those things, and I'm having the same conversations, now now you're hurting the people around you. You're hurting your teammates. Mm-hmm. You're hurting our culture because you're not adapting. You're not improving. You're not getting better. And 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 sometimes those guys get passed by, and sometimes those guys may have to go. So would you say there's a correlation between who the player is and who the person is? Oh yeah, no question. No no question. There, there you as we all know, like usually when you have a guy that's a selfish player, yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit of a selfish individual yeah, too, you yeah. know. Yes sir, yes sir. You know, it's a it's a direct correlation, you know. You see that. You see that. Great yeah. question, so this is this is awesome.
0: What what uh do you look for? It might be skill wise like uh, you know it might be personality like when you're recruiting a kid are there certain characteristics on slash off the court that you're always looking for yeah. or is it kind of kid by kid case by case?
1: Yeah they, this is another great we were just having this conversation in the office yesterday and I, I think the, 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 the things that I want to see uh, from a personality perspective, and it's hard to find man it's, it is not easy to find but I'm, I'm looking for guys that are leaders. Like I, I want a guy that that is comfortable with his own skin, that that can think of others, um, and sometimes put others in front of his own, mm. you know, you know, his own accolades. You know, can he do that as a youngster? Does he? Do, do, is he someone that I think, as he matures, can get there? Right. Right. Um, you know, I'm looking for someone that people like. You know, the coaches yeah. like talking yeah. about them. the teammates like him. Those are the guys that I that I want and i'm looking for someone and and this is something that that i that i that i'm more in tune with than i was before because i have to coach a certain type of kid and i need guys that 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 have a level of toughness you know like you got to have yeah. a level of toughness like and 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 that's not i wouldn't say that's like every kid like but the majority of our kids have to have a level of toughness, mm-hmm. or I'm I'm not going to be happy.
0: Yeah, where you can, it's like on and off the court. Something that I've noticed about some of the BU kids is, is like, they can handle getting bumped on the court and in life as well, yeah. for everything that I've heard yeah. uh, you know about them. And that doesn't mean that they're, you know, that kids don't need help and support, because obviously they do, it's a tough time. Your, your late teens, early 20s are very trying times, so... I'm not here like you need to just go it alone, but like just a level of, of resiliency. Yes yes, 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 um, yes, yes, yes. yes. Question Do you recruit, when you're recruiting, are you looking for just best out there, best combination of, say, ability and kid out there, or do you recruit specific need? Hey, we need a point guard this year. We need a. I
1: think the, the one thing I would say is that we're not taking anyone when we get on the phone and they say, he's hard to coach. Yeah. <laughs> we are not, the, the conversation ends right there. I don't right. care. I, I tell my guys, never tell me if he's a great player, but he's got a bad attitude. Yeah. Because I don't even want to hear it. So you don't even have to worry about me talking myself yeah. into taking him. Just don't recruit him. Because whatever he's like there, he's going to be like in our locker room. And I don't want
0: it. Yeah. So um.
1: that that is a blanket statement. And our guys know that. They know, like, don't bring that dude anywhere near me.
2: That was a public service announcement
1: for all the <laughs> you young kids out here who are watching this. <laughs> and, I, and I do think at times your team is going to need certain things. And right now we're talking about we need to make sure there's a level of athleticism mm-hmm. that we're bringing in because we, we're we teetering right now. And we're always a pretty athletic team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a level of athleticism. One of the other things that we're talking about because... I think right now, obviously, Colgate has done a really good job, and their ability to make shots is is one of the things they do best. So, I think we have to make sure that we're bringing guys enough guys in that can make shots. And the last thing I would tell you is their their feel for the game, their I you know, the IQ, and that's a hard thing to kind of figure out when you're watching a guy. You know, does he really know how to play? Can he yeah. make others better around him? I think those are some things that we're looking at a little bit harder right now than maybe we've done in the past because I think that's where if you ask me right now, the thing that that could hold us back could be our decision making mm-hmm. and our ability to make open shots. And if we're gonna win, we gotta be able to do those on top of being yeah. a much better defensive team. But go
0: ahead. I mean it's one of those things and obviously I, I will fully admit that as much as I loved hoops. And, and lived it and wrote about it and did all that stuff that I could not, I don't know hoops like you do or like other Division One coaches that certainly not like Bobby knows. So I'm not here saying, like, I could do a better job than Coach X, Y, or Z. No, I couldn't at all. I would, I would get fired in three days. <laughs> but um, I do think that in watching so much of mid-major, low-major hoops, I did get a level of you can step back and see trends that work and don't that maybe coaches in the moment, don't have that kind of perspective always yeah. yep. i used to go nuts there would be certain coaches and certain programs not putting them on blasts yep. but who would be so married to their scheme that they would totally overlook or just bury really talented players because they weren't they didn't quite fit the scheme like you have a coach at a mid-major program or a low-major program that's like you know we really need to get like a 6-9 step out four who yeah. can shoot it from out to 25 feet and i'm mm-hmm. like. I would like someone to hand me $500,000 tomorrow I and mean, not have to do anything for it. But you're coaching at a low-major oh, New England that's, program. That's great. That's probably not going to happen. Maybe you should yeah. get the six four kid who's yeah. here in the same gym yeah. who's rebounding and dunking at yeah. everything yeah. but doesn't mm-hmm. have a position. But yeah. he's his motor, yeah. three games yeah. in a row, yeah. he's just going yeah. for 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I mean he doesn't have a position and he's not the six nine finesse four you're looking for, but he'd probably do something on the court for you.
1: I think we've all made that mistake. I think we've all we've all had those guys that we've overlooked that are maybe a little undersized, maybe not as quick, maybe not as athletic, yeah. but they have this they have something that that gives them a chance to have great success at your level. And I think we've all that. And I think that sometimes that's a hard thing to measure. But I think you're, you're on to something. I think you're exactly right. And, and that's, so one of my staff members asked me yesterday in the meeting, it would help us if we had a better understanding from you, kind of like what, what you're looking for. And look, I've been doing this for a long time. So there's, a, there's an, an idea in my head of what I'm looking for. But if I give guys that, then I think they miss out. Yeah. I'll tell you an example. I had one of my assistants. One year we said, "All right, we need a, we need a six nine center." Yeah. Because the because they're big. There's bigs in our league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
0: Patriot League was a lot bigger yeah, than the American. We need we
1: need, bigger, we need bigger we need So we go see Marcus Santos Silva play. My assistant. <laughs> right. And comes back and says to me, oh, "He he can't play for us." <laughs> so now, <laughs> Marcus Santos Silva comes into my gym one day, and they were watching practice. Mm. And I looked at him, and I'm like, this dude's a beast. 6'6", six, six, grabbing everything. Then the, the next place. week is the spring season starts. Yeah, I go see yep. that dude play. He's got a double-double in the first yeah. game. The first game I watched, yeah. he has double-double. And I called my sister. I go, dude, what the heck? He goes, well, you said you want a 6'9 center. <laughs> I said, never again. Yeah. Never again. You can't recruit that way, <sighs> right. in my opinion. You have got to. You can go. There's got to be a baseline yeah. of what you're looking for. But if you start to pigeonhole it that way, it's a hard thing to navigate because you're going to lose out on guys like Marcus Santos Silva. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I'll never forget, and this is a little bit lower. But like, so you guys weren't in the conference at the same time because BU left and UMass Lowell kind of backfilled yep. as they came up. Yep. UMass Lowell had a kid. He redshirted his first year named Jihad Thomas. I don't oh know if you ever got to see. So I still have J- nightmares. Jihad
1: Thomas. I still have nightmares. He had
0: one Division One offer. Came a senior year from UMass Lowell, and they are tra- it's going to be their first year of Division One. So, literally, you are talking about the absolute bottom team in Division One because they're just moving over. His only offer because he's they listed him at six three; he's probably six two, no two hundred no and thirty pounds, and not an athlete, not like a Charles Barkley plays above the rim guy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't barely dunks in the layup line. He went to UMass Lowell for f- red shirted for the next four years. Was. Just incredible. Dominant he he was—he averaged almost a double double. He had a forty-point game. He had a triple double while he was at UMass Lowell. You know, he was leading the league in scoring. You know, and he wasn't a shooter either. He just outworked everybody. Yes. He could either—if you were big, he could go by you. If you were a guard, he just yeah. just flattened you. Yeah. And he was unstoppable at that level. Yes, he was. And I've seen other players like that at the America East and the Patriot League, and even the CA, like the lower. And it's like coaches. Some coaches don't want to recruit kids like that because they don't look the part yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. any team on any team forget even mid I was going to say mid-major but even high-majors any team that could have added him would have been a better team for right. having no, him on no, the team.
1: There's, no right. there's no question there's no question and you know I think like us like you know look I've had Cedric Hangerson, Eric Fanning yeah. Maurice Watson mm-hmm. freaking Javante McCoy Walter White Super I mean Max Mahoney we have some freaking yeah. great players yeah and so when I start spewing those names out to my staff, they're like cringing because it's hard to get those dudes. Yeah. But we got to get guys like Thomas. Like we got to be able to get guys like him too because Cedric Hankerson's hard to get every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we beat out Virginia Tech and Minnesota that year to get him. So, it's like, you're not always going to get that guy. Nine
0: times out of ten, when you're a a mid-major, you're going to lose that battle. You're going to lose that battle. He's a very special kid. We
1: tried to recruit Geo Baker. We went nuts on Geo Baker. We recruited, and he had no offers at that, at, at, you know, the Big Ten level. Mm -hmm. And we exhausted ourselves. And as soon as they watched him play in the spring, it was over. Like, we're not getting that kid. Like, you know, he could create a shot like that. but. But you run you run that risk at times. You can't do it with a lot of kids. You gotta do it with the right kids. But we gotta find some guys like him. Like Max Mahoney was that guy. Yep. Max Mahoney, oh, was, a guy, play, Max Mahoney kind of was a player guy, man. Max Mahoney was a guy that a lot of people passed on. It was like us, Dartmouth and Yale. And Yale, my brother, they thought they had a kid that was better. So they they had Max for official, but they didn't really Max want was him. incredible
0: mm-hmm. at this level. And Max <laughs> was that guy.
1: Like Max Max was a guy that even as a freshman averaged five points yeah. a game and then Thirteen as a sophomore, and then broke the school record three years in a row for field goal percentage, Athletic and,
0: and ba- you won, know, won us a the, championship. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I'm going to talk about the championship season specifically. I, w- I want to get there for for COVID because, but you know, I I it just to me every year I'm, I'll tell one. I'm not. I haven't told too many stories about you know. This isn't. I'm wrong plenty, but. Certain certain coaches this year are not listening to me when I tell them, "Hey, you might want to look at this guy." Several years ago, there was a kid that I actually. So I was on. I had finished up my playing career, and was playing in the semi-pro summer league that had like former pros and then current college players and a couple of really great high school players. And I caught a kid one one year. Our first game was incredible pitcher, and they're like, "Hey, he's a pretty good basketball player." I went and saw him play, and I was like, "Oh my god, this kid's incredible!" I reached out to every Penn single. Cunnington. Yeah. Every single America East coach, because that was I was connected with, every single one was like, "Ah, he doesn't really have a position." Yeah, right, yeah, 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 Pat yeah. Connaughton has now been in the NBA for how long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So They were like, "I don't know if he's athletic. He's not athletic enough. He's in the dunk contest. He has the right, highest vertical leap that they recorded right, yeah. for a while." Yeah, yeah. So but yeah. it was like he didn't quite look the part. He was like, yeah, I'm,
1: "I'm raising my hand." I was at BC <laughs> and I was questioning him until he exploded in the last tournament in mm-hmm. Orlando. Then we tried to jump in. Yeah. And then it was too late. Mike Crowley still bothers me about that. But I so I have to raise my hand. I was I, I was like I can't really dribble. He, yeah, he doesn't right. really have a, well, it. He uh, was yeah. a <laughs> stud.
0: Right. I remember I, I I can say it now because he's gone on to, to huge things. But Steve Peichel at Stony Brook, I was, like, <laughs> I was like Pikes, you guys have a baseball program. I know he wants to go somewhere that he he can, can play, play both baseball, sports. Right. And at the time, none of the high majors were like, well, you know, you could play. We'll, we'll yeah. let you play both. And they weren't even really looking at him at that time. Pikes was like, "Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't really hit. And then the spring, and then he just blew up. Yeah, he it was like, up. he's not going to start. Pikes is a great coach,
1: to too, as we know. He's a great, he's guy, a great guy, too. I mean, he's, he's, unbelievable
0: yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not bagging on Steve Pico, because everybody passed on Pat until, yeah. until it was too late, and then he would yeah. just blown up. But yeah. um, I want to talk about, for you and your career, adversity, I guess, coaching first. Because before we get into the COVID season, you know, it hasn't necessarily been a smooth... Re- you went to Columbia, and they had had just an awful record before you yeah, got there. Yeah. And it's like you kill yourself to make them respectable, yeah, and that's a big yeah, one. Yeah. You go to B, you know, you wind up, and you take a high major for at BC for a year. Yeah, and, yeah. and then year. you wind up at BU, and you are looking like you're going into... Because you have a, some incredible returning players with... Dom Morris, DJ Irving. You're supposed to have Jake O'Brien coming back. Jake talked to last week. Best player I never got a chance to go. He was freaking terrific. So so Jake's there. You land Maurice Watson. Who? So you've got the fastest backcourt that I think any mid-majors had since BU back in like when they had Chaz Carr and Matt Turner. But probably the fastest backcourt in the country. You've got Dom, who's like a a bruiser with skill. Jake is 6'9", athletic, because you had no business being in that league. If you guys had been able to field the team that year that you had on the roster, there's no way. There's just, I mean, I know that there's no absolutes in mid-major, but but there's no way you guys don't win the league that year with that combination. But the school decides that they're moving to the Patriot for all reasons that I I think it was a great move for BU to move to the Patriot overall. But in that year the rest of the America East conference votes they ban you guys from postseason play it's the team that never was because you're not able to and you guys still valiantly were right in it for the regular season championship mm-hmm. until the end of the year without Jake Yeah. but like how tough just take me through that year when you look like you're going to have this amazing team and you still wound to have a great team but, but like, like a real program changing defining yeah. team and before you can even have an official practice it's like yanking the rug out and how did you navigate like coaching those kids and 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 helping those kids through it, and at the same time, there must have been some real personal internal like disappointment sorrow almost over man, we could have had a the, what could have been before the year even begins? you know it can't can't really be yeah,
1: you know it it you know it was a tough emotional time honestly um and nobody knows we actually had a transfer. Kid that was coming in that we probably didn't even need, but he kind of fell into our lap, and he was a shot blocking stud. He came and visited us, so we had him.
0: I remember he, that. I remember you got but then because of the ban, he once Jake left, yeah, he left. He yeah. did so he never mm-hmm. he never
1: came. It never he. But I committed. remember
0: you guys were supposed to have a big yeah, time talent, free, which would have really been really good. Yeah, yeah. we would
1: have been lights out. We would have been a we we could have easily been like a top forty team. In yeah, a, in like like you
0: like a thirteen or a twelve yeah, yeah, seed. Yeah, like yeah. that. No good. question.
1: No question. So once we found out um that we weren't gonna be in um in the we we're gonna move to the to the Patriot League Jake immediately was on the fence and didn't know if he wanted to stay or not and 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 I just flat flat out had a meeting with him and I said look I no one's gonna blame you for leaving under these circumstances I, I hope you stay mm-hmm. but no one's gonna blame you and um Pretty quickly after that, he ended up
0: leaving. Because he was it was his last chance yeah, at the yeah, NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah. And the you league. couldn't blame him. You, couldn't you were blame banned yes, from, yes, the league had yes. banned you from. He from, was
1: hurt yeah. the year they wanted in yep. 2011. He he was hurt the next year.
0: Yep.
1: Now he gets healthy, and he just wants to have a shot to play in the NCAA yeah. tournament, now we're not going to play. So you can't fault him for that, and Jake and I are still pretty close. So I think it was a hit to the team when we had to tell him. It was as bigger. It was as bigger hit when Jake decided not that he was leaving, because <laughs> yeah. those kids loved Jake, and yeah. he was healthy. Then he was playing yeah. with us, and I remember looking at. For some reason, I caught John Papali's face, because John Papali was a freshman, yeah. and for some reason, I looked, and and immediately caught his eye when I, when we told him that Jake wasn't coming, and he was, crushed. Wow, and so that that was tough. Now the other thing that was a good thing was that that team was really close. So DJ was a great leader. Don was a tremendous person, as we all know. Yeah, Maybe one of our favorite kids of all time. He's one of my favorite. Travis yeah. Robinson was a great leader. So those guys were great leaders. And then Mo, Maurice was tight with those guys from Philly. And Maurice was a leader in his own yeah. right. So he was kind of pulling in John. So then it was like, okay, guys, let's let's do some damage this year. And then when we get in the, when we get back and we get a chance to go mm-hmm. to the tournament, let's let's get it done in in, the, in our first year in the Patriot League. So that was the whole thing it was like a like a two year ride to get there, and they all bought into that. So then that became like our focus, and we got out of this. We didn't really deal during the season with oh this stinks, yeah. we're not going to play. It really wasn't about that. We were just trying to get better every game. We knew we were going to play in the postseason in the CBI or CIT, yeah. and it was really like let's keep building. And then knock it out. Yeah, you know. And we were young enough at the time where guys were still bought in. Now, if this was the transfer portal, yeah, we might have had a harder time yeah. keeping these guys together, you know. But it was, um, it was that was the whole thing that we were able to kind of sell to them right away, and not just wallow in in our sorrow, you know. And I think that's one thing as a you know as a as a as a leader. I never get, I never, like, I, I work for Jay Wright. Jay Wright was never someone, when he got knocked down or he got something bad happened. you never saw him wallow. He always was, like, trying to use it as a positive, trying to learn from it, and thinking about how he can use that to improve the situation. So that's just my mindset. When things happen, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But my mind just shifts right to, like, okay, what can we learn from this? How can I use that to be better tomorrow? And the same thing when you lose a game, like you don't have time to be. Yeah. You gotta get. You gotta get on to the next thing. So for me, that's kind of how we handled that situation. How do you, getting, getting
2: back to the kids for a second? So, there's this great Geico commercial, right? I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it is Pinocchio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. and he's talking to the speakers right he's yeah, saying, yeah. you know you've got potential you've yeah. got potential right yeah. his yeah. nose right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you Bobby, so, <laughs> I, love you, Bobby. <laughs> I love you so I'm um, I'm asking the question some guys you know and I'm, I'm saying this because a lot of times parents are the problem alright yes, yep. so what I'm tr- what we're trying to do is explain to the kids that ball is not life life is life yep Okay, And ball is entertainment, yep. right? <laughs> but it's entertainment. But we, we're we talking about coming back from adversity, you know, Jay not not holding it and just going for it again. Yep. You yep. saying, you know what, I've got to keep it moving, keep the downtime to yep. a minimum. Yep. When we're recruiting these kids, they don't understand that this is a one-year renewable, mm-hmm. yep, right? And their lack of growth is going to determine whether they stay there or not. Right, and I'm talking personal growth yeah, at that yeah, time because yeah, normally yeah. coaches, you don't get rid of anybody if they're, you know, personally they're really fighting hard for you, you know. Look, but the 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 business, the business says that you know what, if you're if if you're not giving me either, you've got to go. Yeah, you know, and they're all I mean, Sam brought it up. You know, they're all thinking about the bag now. What yeah. bag are you yeah. talking about, bag man? But what, what are we talking about, bag yeah. lady? Look, if you don't get it right, you're gone.
1: So. If you don't grow, please. I mean, Yeah, and, and, and I'm in a different situation. Like, I'm a little, I've been a little above, and maybe it, it doesn't last. Maybe, mm. you know, it, it doesn't, and we, we've got to be working. So the NIL stuff hasn't really impacted us. The portal right now yeah. hasn't mm-hmm. really impacted us. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a place where they're not going to let you just get rid of guys. Like, that's not... That's not what you can do at BU. So. That, that's
0: that's pretty admirable. I mean, they're are not at schools. You know that, that it's like, hey, oh, yeah. you might be a great kid and you might have done everything that I asked for, but I can bring a better no, kid. No,
1: my in. my know? my AD, Drew Marquello, is not about that. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. So that's not even something that I like. There were a kid that there 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 was a kid that I moved I moved along, but he had graduated in three years, mm-hmm. and I said I I because I don't see the growth and. You're 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 impacting this culture. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be best if you move on now. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so that that can happen. But and if the kid's not if the kid doesn't have a behavior problem yeah. and he's just not playing hard, we're not moving him along. Yeah. Right. You know, like like you may tell the kid, hey, you may not play, it might be best for you to move, but we can't yeah. say we're not having you back. That's mm-hmm. not He's not letting you do that at BU, and I and I and and I agree with that. You better get that right when you're recruiting them. Yeah. Shout out to BU. Shout yeah. out to
0: BU. <laughs> I mean, BU is the reason why. It's funny when you were there it was the reason why that I expanded my website when i was because we were just America East, and my alma mater Northeastern had left a while ago. But at the time, I didn't have a great relationship with Northeastern. I, I do now. Now I'm I'm very much back involved there. Um, but when you guys left, I was kind of like at a crossroads, and I was like. There's no way, I'm not covering PU. <laughs> so we're just gonna have to expand yeah, and do yeah, yeah, Patriot yeah, League and yeah, some yeah, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about the the year that you guys so because you had some really great teams near misses, yeah. Patriot yeah. League championship game, yeah. lost to American, had an incredibly talented team yes. with Dom and yes. DJ and yes. and um and Mo. And uh it's very hard to to the best team over the course of the year at the big time schools. They're going to get a bid to the NCAA yeah. tournament. It's yeah. not going to come down to one game in March. It, at the low, major, mid-major level, where it's only one team from that conference is going, it's not just it's not who is the best team, but it's who's the hottest team right now. You guys had great opportunities, didn't quite come to fruition, and then finally, um, you know, the 2020 Patriot League tournament. You guys win win it, yeah. And you guys were the last team, I believe, yeah. that yeah. year. Yeah to punch your ticket to the NCAA tournament because the next day they canceled it because that was when COVID came. The world stopped, yep. What, just take me through that experience. I know you've told it a bunch of times, uh, but take me through that and then on a personal level where you'd never coached in the NCAA tournament as a head coach, and you get that, you know, there's a lot of, you put in a lot of time at a school where um, this is not knocking the athletic department at BU at all. I love the athletic department there, but... But it's just you're, you're in a major league town. You're at a hockey school. It's not like basketball is the first priority for, for, for students, fans, whatever. So it's not an easy – my point is it's not an easy to go win there at BU. It's not easy to recruit there at BU, even though it's a great school. It's just not as easy as some other schools. So you really have to slog through it to get to that point of – and then you go on the road and you beat, the, you beat um, Colgate. Colgate at their place. And you've got this incredible team and and Walter and Max and all the you know and then it you don't actually get to experience the NCAA tournament. Just take me through that, what that yeah. was like.
1: So I think the first thing I'd say is when we lost in two thousand fourteen, we were clearly the most talented yeah. team. We were a great team. And I did a poor job of getting them ready. For that, for that experience. You know, our, our whole thing was, you know, we, we had something to prove. We had some guys not make some all-star teams. And so we were, like, focused on, like, all right, we're going to prove to this league that we're the best team. And, and so we were, like, we were overconfident, and I was going with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we got in the moment, right from the start, we weren't emotionally prepared for that environment because everything felt different when it's all on the line mm-hmm. and it's there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just put that in the back of my head, right? That went in the back of my head. We we, we got beat pretty badly, pretty soundly by, by a, a, a very good American team. And I just put that in the back of my head. So this time around, when we got to the championship game, my whole thing was I got to prepare them. I got to prepare them. So one of the first things I did was I brought in, we brought in, we, we went to Colgate two days early and we just played the, we played music during practice just to emulate what the environment was going to be like, how loud it was going to mm-hmm. be. And, and and so we did that for two days. And then we just talked about this game is going to feel different. You know, we can sit here and say whatever we want, but it's going to feel different. It's going to be different. It's going to be a different energy We've got to be able to embrace that moment. Outside of them being a great team and making shots, we got to be able to embrace understanding what's on the line, and we got to embrace it. and And so the team went out, and we played arguably our best game of the year, and we played loose, and we 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 were in the moment. Um, so now we win the game, and earlier that day, I think the NBA. Was thinking about stopping, or someone got mm-hmm. COVID, or I remember I remember seeing that. But I said, all right, I'm not, I'm, I'm locked in here. Let's let's go get this done. We win the game. At the press conference, one of the reporters say, "Hey, you know, do you do you think you're gonna play with fans in the NCAA tournament?" And I, I, was like, listen, right now, I could give a crap about the NCAA tournament. Right. I'm gonna enjoy this friggin' moment that we've all worked hard for, and and said. I said to the guys on the, on the bus In the locker room I said hey Let's let's really enjoy this moment Let's not think about tomorrow We'll think about tomorrow When we get there let's, We're just going to enjoy The moment on the bus So we went back We just enjoyed the moment And then my AD texted me and said Hey we're going to meet tomorrow uh, To kind of figure all this out And then that's when They told me the next morning That we weren't going To the tournament but i had already kind of come to right. that conclusion that this yeah. wasn't going to march 13 in case yeah
2: march 13th. Yeah.
1: that's crazy so then we had then we had to tell the team and the women who was playing in the championship game that earlier that day they were crying cuz they didn't even a chance to play no i think they were in the semifinals they didn't even get a chance to play for the championship yeah. and they were they were crying so i told our players in the locker room i said look guys like like I know this this is this is this is a, a huge blow. And obviously there are there are bigger things going on in, in, in the world right now that are bigger than playing in the NCAA tournament and I get it. I go, but the women didn't even get a chance to play in the semifinals. We got a championship. You know, and we should feel good about that. You know, and, and I think the guys understood the magnitude of what was going on around them. I think later on when you think about it it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think a couple of months later when I was like in my basement during COVID going, what the freak am I doing? Right. Yeah, right. I was like hot. I was like, oh my God, we, you know, you know, you go all this way. Just some bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. and uh, honestly, that's how you felt. You and um, But the other thing I think, honestly, like I have some people that I look up to. I think my brothers had had a great run, a great career, Jay Wright's been, and I wanted to, I wanted to, to win it too. I have to be honest, yeah. like that's mm-hmm. something that if you're not, Competitive enough to, to want to win championships, you yeah. should be coaching. So, mm-hmm. you know, proving to myself that I could lead a team to a championship that was a that was a hurdle I wanted to get over.
0: What was it like? Because we talked kind of circling back around to your relationship with your players and 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 all about kind of mentoring and helping them grow. What was it like once COVID really we really got into the thick of it? You know, I think back on that sometimes, and it was. I mean, it's not like it's over yeah but you know the world has opened up a bit now i think back on you know we talked a couple episodes ago about during it for for months i didn't know what to do with my with my son jack and yeah. we would just go to the train station in worcester and just watch the trains because it was something to do but like what that, that couldn't be easy on on the kids people you know your players oh, God. uh oh. how what was that like when like, you don't know when you're going to have another game you that was know brutal
1: what, that was brutal. Right from the start, it was brutal. So what we try to do, we, Sam, we brought our team back. I remember we didn't have any summer session, yep. right? So then we said, okay, we're going to bring guys back the first possible day we can bring them back. So yep. BU was trying to bring kids back in different pockets, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I said, all right, you guys get on that first tier. That way, when you get back to campus, we'll get yep. going. Two weeks before they're coming to campus, they start telling us, All right, you can't work out with your team until. And then that. Yeah. So now these guys are here. We can't work them out. They don't even want them playing. Right. So then I caught wind that our guys were playing pickup. I had to reprimand them now for playing basketball together. (laughs) So then when we started our whole thing, and this was really hard, you know, we had really, um, we had some really. Structural things that we had to do that many schools didn't have to do. Yeah, I remember. So we tested more. We had to wear masks, and then the other thing that they said was we can't have our whole team together. So Mm -hmm. then we had we had to split them up into two different pods. So they were playing three on three and four on four the whole fall. Yeah. Then we and then we didn't even know if we're going to have a season. Then we find out okay we're going to have a season. It's going to start. In the end of December, early January. So now we have to make a decision because they had been there since August. I didn't want to keep them through the season because yeah. mm-hmm. now they have to be there during Christmas right. because you're starting yeah. right after Christmas. So I said, okay, we got to let them go home. Now, this is the mistake that I made. And I listened to my staff. I'm going to blame my staff right now. <laughs> and I and I got to blame myself because I'm like, all right, let them go home for a week. Then they have to quarantine for 7 to 10 days I can't remember. So now we're not going to have them for 14 days. Okay, we still have enough time to get going. Yeah. My staff says, "Hey, let them go home for 2 weeks." So now they're going 2 weeks home, 7 days quarantine. So now you're not they're not going to have them for 21 days. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking, "Well, what if in that span somebody gets COVID? We're we're going to be screwed." Yeah. We I let them do it anyway. Yeah. I, I was calling Division Three guys. I called my old coach because that's what happens in Division Three. You yeah. go home for like a month, mm-hmm. then you start again. Yeah. And I kept saying, and everybody was telling me, you got enough time. You got enough time. You got enough time. Because when we did the math, it was like we could have them on December 8th. And I think the first game might have been like January 2nd or something like that. So it was almost like a month you were going to have them. Mm-hmm. And you think that's enough time. They get back. The first three days, you can't do anything because they've been yeah. in a room now right. for seven straight days. Right. You don't want to get somebody get So the first three days, you're not really doing much. Yeah. You're trying to get them going. Learn how to move again. Yes. Yeah. We get to the fifth day, kid gets COVID. Now we're back in. We were just out of it. Yeah. We're back in for 10 days. We get out of that. We got like seven days before the first game.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I
1: got three guys hurt. Wow. Walter White's hurt. Javante's hurt. And someone else was hurt. Oh, it was it was a horror show. And then you know we had a horrible year. We we, you know we had like one great weekend. Yeah. That was it. But we had a bad. We lost to Colgate five times
0: that yeah. year. Yeah. Wow. Five because yeah, we they, play they five were playing times? the pods where you just yeah. kept playing the same. Okay. Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We played
1: we yeah. played Holy Cross six times. <laughs> yeah. We Went three and three <laughs> against Holy Cross. We lost five times to to Colgate. That's we, gotta be We were one and three <laughs> against Army. We beat Lafayette twice, and we beat. Lehigh in the um, we beat Lehigh in the playoff game had to go back up to Colgate lost to them in a, in a playoff it was it was unbelievable I'd never been th- obviously never been through anything like that before um, but just it was, it was just really hard to watch my guys hand like they had to handle so much yeah. mm-hmm. and then we had to wear masks while yep. we were playing that we're was the was only division, yeah, the only to to Division 1 team
0: yep.
1: to have to wear masks so but you're sharing the same basketball I mean, it no, was. Just, I'm not. And and uh, listen, i will tell you right now, what I've what I've gotten really good at in my life mm. is if I can't control it, I don't. I do not allow it to impact me, and I just I just would not. The guys would complain about it. I'm like, this is this is what we got. Why there was not? no complaining mm-hmm. about it. There was there was nothing we were going to be able to do except for play with mass. That's right. it. Yeah. So wow. handle it because that's what we got to do. But they had a my team had a hard time of handling that that we had to do it and nobody else did. Yeah.
0: Oof. I know that we, so we've talked a lot about, and, and we're going to have to have you on again at some point because there's so much that we haven't even talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, sure, you got, sure. You got Division One, dude. But something that I want to ask about, because we, Bobby and I have talked a lot about personal stuff, fatherhood, all that sort of stuff, um, much more than just hoops. So you you have, you, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Have two kids, and how old are they? Well, I have a daughter who's uh, twenty and a son who's 16. Son's 16, daughter's 20. So they've been basically your entire coaching career almost. They, you know, you've been coaching their entire lives, basically, at the yes. college level, either yep. as an assistant or... Um, you have a wife. Wife, yeah. A wife. Yep. A wife. Yep. So, Kristen, yep. um, like, how do you juggle being able to be an active part of their lives with the demands of being a Division One coach? Because it is not... I couldn't do you know, the amount of time you have to spend on the road in the office late at night setting film. I know both your kids are athletes, they've got their own stuff. As a parent, you wanna be there for it, but you might be coaching or you might have to go to this event to recruit or you might be riding a bus back or something. Like how do you how do you juggle that?
2: Yeah. Including with the wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough, man. Yeah.
1: She she's you know, and, and everyone will tell you, like, if it's gonna work, you have to have someone as your partner who is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's much she's the MVP of our family and I not only my immediate family my in my house but my whole family they all everyone talks about how great my dad just visited me from Tennessee and he he went on and on about how great my wife was um, and she's just a she's a great mom um, and she's patient and you know she's all about my family and you know it's it's been able to work out because of her and what she's what she's done she's made it work um, and for me, the one thing that I did was that I was always just going to be dad. Like, I wasn't going to be coach. So when my kids went and played sports, they weren't getting mm-hmm. in a car and me yeah. ripping them for, you know, what they didn't do, yeah. you know. And, and you know, I'd make some suggestions, but I wasn't going to be that dad because I wanted to be dad. And so my son, my son's a good player. My son's going to be good enough to be a Division One player. There's no question about it. And he's good. And But I'm dad. You know and i worked them out a lot i worked my, i'm working my daughter out at four o'clock today um she <laughs> plays at bowden she's a heck of a player at division three and had had a great year um at bowden and um you know it's worked out they're both great kids they, they're great students and a lot of it is their mother the the way she raised them i mean i was supportive and i was there when i could be there and i but she did the, the heavy lifting especially when they were younger you know, she says it all the time now. She's like, "Oh, you're you're you take over now." But when they were younger, you were nowhere to be found. When they, you know, when they were freaking, when she was changing those diapers, and you know, she had both of them all the time. And I was at Columbia at the time, and I was a fanatic. I have to admit yeah. that. Like, I was in that. So I lived right across the street from 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 Columbia, but I was in the office or on the road mm-hmm. like crazy when I was a young coach because I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know I didn't know how to balance it. I just I knew I had a shot to be successful and I was taking it. You know, and and you know, my my wife did a great job with the kids and you know, then when they got older and they were able to, you know, to go to the bathroom on their own, then I I stepped in, you know. But it's been no, it's been a great ride. They're both great kids and it's just lucky that my wife's been so good. Yeah, that that's great. I mean, I love the fact that you said you just wanted to be
2: dad. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. how tough is it to Recruit kids. I mean, do you look at the parents also? Oh God, yes, yes.
1: And you said it, like, <laughs> like. Listen, man. I just wanted you to say it. Said, listen, <laughs> man. Like you know, it, it is, it is, it is, it is really incredible. And I, and and people, you know, you know the way you love your kids. You, you, you know, you know the yeah. way you love mm-hmm. your kids, and so obviously, you're you're distorted in your view because mm-hmm. of your love for your kids like that's that, everybody understands that but when I'm in the recruiting process and I'm hearing some of the things I'm hearing about the coach about the way the kid was being used about I'm out yeah <laughs> I'm mean, listen if the dad is like that the moms I'm I'm out public service announcement yeah. I don't even mess around <laughs> like I don't and, and, and sometimes you get it wrong because they fool you they fool you yeah right but if I hear, if I hear that, that this is, I'm wrong. now the other thing I tell the parents when the kid commits is or before the kid commits, like, listen, I'm not listening to anything you have to say about basketball. Do not, don't even bother calling me or texting me because yeah. I'm not even going to respond. I'll have my assistant tell you that I'm not going to respond. Your, your son's going to come in and talk to me if there's an issue mm-hmm. and we'll deal with it. But don't ever call me about this. But don't do it because I'm not. I'm not responding, and so I I tell them flat out. And then what I do if anybody calls, I just right in front of the team. I don't tell them who it is. I said, listen, do not have your parents calling me. This is not high school. That's right. This is not yeah. AAU. You're you're a grown. You're a, you're a young man now that's growing. You need to figure this out, and your parents aren't going to be able to help you figure this out. So you need to come to me, and that's how we. That's how we've done it. And 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 there's at times. Some distance between me and some parents at times, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm literally okay with that because I'm going to treat their son like my own. That's one. That's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to treat that dude like he was my son. And some parents can't handle the kid's role. Some of them can't handle. Some. Sometimes the kids handle it better than the parents do. Mm-hmm. So you might have a. You might have a. You might be struggling with the role, but you're not going to struggle with me helping a kid get an internship, me helping a kid make sure he's going to get a tutor, me making sure that that kid's getting his paper in, me making sure he's okay emotionally. Like, no, the dude's going to get treated great. He may not play the way you want him to
0: play, but he's going to get treated great. So we've talked about being just dad with your kids, and we've talked about coaching and recruiting. And you, you kind of brought up, and that was I was going to ask about, so I've heard about your son a bit, you know, and I've heard that he's going to be a Division One player, that he's a good player. How do you handle that? Would you recruit your own kid to play for you? Yeah,
1: so that's I think that's a real question that that him and I are going to have to deal with. You know, like this weekend, you know, he had four straight games he scored over 20. He had he had 23s in four games. Like he's he's going to get there. And he and he's a kid that's got an upside. So Yeah, I mean, I, I've better.
0: heard from people that just, just people that know the game that like, yeah, that he's a division 1 player. Yeah, so
1: He's got upside and and he's going to be able to I think He's going to be a, a kid that people are going to going to recruit at yeah. my level. And I do think I do think if he can mature it could be a possibility. But I don't think either one of us really want that. Yeah. So does your brother recruit? Recur- so, so that was the first. <laughs> thing. So if, you know, James is. J- if you know James, he's a little different than I am, and I'm not going to say that's a. It's a bad thing. I'm not going to say that he's a little different. So for the whole time, Bobby, he's not. He's never really been like. You know, have you ever thought about <coughs> Jay? Jay coming to play for me? Have you ever thought? Mm-hmm. Never say So this time, this weekend, I, I I sent them the edit of of Jay. First time he said, "Oh, he he needs to be he need he he needs to be a bulldog." <laughs> i would never heard that before until now. Now he he had twenty threes in four games, four straight twenty point games. Now he needs to be a bulldog. Yeah, let, let me tell you about your daddy. Yeah yeah yeah, you about yeah, your daddy. yeah, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Come yeah. with me. Now, yeah. now you <laughs> and your
0: you and your brother, you guys have had I know like closed scrimmages where the two teams played, every year, every year, but you don't play during the regular. season? No, not anymore. We
1: played when we're, when you I play? was at Colgate. Yeah. I mean uh, Columbia, and he was at yeah, We played seven years in a row.
0: Was that was that tough coaching against your brother? Yes. It's, yeah,
1: it was, it started out fun. Look, the first time we did it, <coughs> Sports Illustrated came in. They spent two days with me. They spent two days with James. They did a whole story on it. I remember it. that. It was friggin' awesome. So it was cool the first time. The second time we played, we he came we played at my place, packed house. David Stern, God bless his soul, was the head of the trustees. He came to the game. He sat in the front row. We had it was unbelievable. We beat them in double overtime in a packed house. And the kids stormed the court at Columbia. <laughs> we were we went six and eight. Yeah. They stormed the court. They were 0 Owen 14 a year before. From that point, it was it was awful after that. You know, it was awful. And, you know, at one point they had beaten us like four in a row, and I was out of my mind about it. And, you know, like you know, like like yeah. you're competitive, you know, and so you know, we never would talk the week of the game. We talk every day. The week of the game, we would never talk. Um, you know, it split up our family at times. It was, it was, it was intense, man. It was intense, and you know, I'm, we're we're glad it's over.
0: Are You guys close, <coughs> close off the court? Oh
1: God, yeah, yeah. We talk every day.
0: So, something that I I, I feel like I, I I need to ask, even though it's almost like you know, as as a white dude, how do I, you know, it's something I can't understand. But so, you coach a sport. That is predominantly African American players, underwhelmingly African American head coaches. It is overwhelmingly at the high school, college, and even NBA, but not as much I think once you get to. But like college, there it, it is, in my opinion, like a disgrace how few black head coaches there are when you look at how many. Black players, there are. There's no way you can tell me a sport at the college level can be like 60% black, but should only be like 15% mm-hmm. of the head coaches. What has that experience been like as a, as an African American, as a black man, as a head coach at the like how, just what's is it, is it challenging? Do you feel like there are, there are extra that like that that you need to be like perfect where someone else, a white dude, can just kind of mediocre their way through it? I
1: think. I think people uh, have been very critical of the X's and O's, um, a, a African American coach, his ability to coach his team. You know, to be able to run a, a play out of a timeout to get a shot. Like the, I think in terms of the level of execution at which we can work at. Uh, what level that we're we're on as as African? I think we are really. It's it. People are very critical mm-hmm. of that. Oh, he's a good recruiter. Uh, yep. He gets good talent. Um, I heard that a lot about myself for a long time. You know, I don't hear it as much anymore because we've had a level of success. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, you know, and I think it's yeah. You you you. We're we're in a position where you have to really prove yourself more than maybe our white counterparts have to have to in terms of our ability to coach the game and our understanding of the game. And it's sick. It's it's a, it's sick. When I was an assistant, that's all people talked about was getting an African-American assistant to help you recruit.
0: Yep. I, that I.
1: That was like a thing. I got to hire and, – and people still say, I got to hire a black guy. They don't want to hire. They may not want to hire a black guy, but they feel like they have They feel like they So they can have comp-
0: a relationship with their players through their assistant. But, but it's like, make no mistake, I'm not going to say even – in my opinion, because it's not. It's so blatant that I, I'm just going to state it as fact. When you have people that are constantly questioning the ability to, to like, X's and O's yeah, yeah, of every yeah, single black yeah. potential so racist head coach. It's It is. It yes. is thin, very thinly veiled yeah, yeah. racism to, yep. because you're saying these dudes that are good enough to play the game. And you have to – you can't just talent your way through basketball. You've got to understand the right. game yeah. – in your sleep yeah, to be able to yeah. execute as a Division One player, no question. But you're saying, oh, you know, they're good enough to play the game, but they're not good enough to understand the game in a way to be able to coach people. It's just racism, yeah, and yeah, and it's yeah. and it's not. I'm not saying that's in my opinion. No, just it. It is racism. The way that the the ability to game plan for every single black head coach at one point or another, an assistant, because every assistant wants to be a head coach for the sure. most part. The, 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 the ability to game plan is put under a microscope and criticized no and doubted in no ways question. that it just is not. No question.
2: You know, it, th- that's, it's, it's such a tough subject to deal with because, you know, on one hand, you're, you're an African-American coach and you deal, you're looking to recruit some African-American players to, you know, like give them a chance also, right? So it's, it's a great sport to play. So now you're under pressure from, you know, what, you know, what we considered, you know, racist ideology, yep. okay? But at the same time, I think the thought process is my Angelo still like air, I rise. Because you don't have time to think about it. <laughs> right? You got too much other stuff
1: to do. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, it, it, yeah. it, is, it
0: is to me. Yeah. I couldn't.
1: No doubt, brother. Hey, <laughs> you look, said it. I, you said it.
0: I just, like, personally, I don't understand, and I could spend a whole episode of it, and it's not. My wife has given me new perspective, even though I grew up around, you know, in a very mixed school and best friends that were black and dating and all that. My wife, because she is a she was a social worker, she now runs her own private practice, is able to explain things in a way to me and experiences mm-hmm. in a way to me that even though I thought that I was enlightened, it's still like I, I couldn't I don't I don't know how you go through a day as a black man in America, let or just a black person, let alone a lifetime. Like because the weight of that of dealing with all that and that unfairness and inequality. And then with, uh, like, you have one bad year, one bad season, which is a couple months. You can have one bad month as a Division One coach, and suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, my job's on the line. And, like, that kind of weight from both society and then the profession you're in, to me, is, like, I don't know how you, how you manage that, how you, you, how you deal with that kind
2: of thing. You know what I think? You know what I think takes over? We, we all played sports, right? We two points to make. We all played sports. We never played because somebody wanted us to play. There was that music of that basketball. It was something yeah. we wanted to prove it to ourselves. We just knew that we yeah. were going to have to play against somebody else. It wasn't about me being better than you. Yeah. It was about me finding out how good I could be. I'm reading a great book right now, right? Um, uh, Viktor Frankl, okay? A uh, man's search for meaning or so But he's a Holocaust survivor, right? And he's talking about going to uh, psychotherapist. And... He's he's talking about his experience through the Holocaust, right? And, you know, he was in Auschwitz, stayed there. They were going to let him out, um, but he chose to stay with his parents. In the end, after all is said and done, you realize what's going on. You can feel it. You can taste it, right? You can, oh, that racism, you can, feel. but you know what? Again, you don't have time to deal with it. Don't have time. Because if you do, then... You do a disservice to everyone that's come before you. My Jewish brothers and sisters always say, "Never forget," right? Well, th- we do the same thing. We never forget. Our parents brought us up a different way,
1: man. It's no different. Yeah, you know, yeah. it is that's what it a, is. That's a great point. That, that's a great <laughs> point. I mean, I, I know it's there. I feel it, but I don't wallow in it. You know, because they because then they win. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is, and I and I'm, I'm I'm with you, Bobby. I'm not really trying to prove anything to anybody. I really try to I really wanted to prove to myself that I could lead my team to a championship. And now the thing is can you lead your team to multiple championships? Right. Can you get BU on another level? I'm not I'm not trying to do I, I would like to do a great job because I love BU and I love the people at BU and I know who I am as an African American and I would like to leave it in a better place I found it so then the next person yeah. they hire and I want to do it for 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 young African American coaches as well. So there's a lot of reasons I'm trying to do what I'm doing, but I'm not going to let some joker in the stands who who who, who may be racist right. and has things to say about my coaching impact what I'm doing. Like I'm past that now. You know, as a 50 years 56-year-old man.
0: Well, coach, thank you so much for joining this us This was today. awesome. It was it was I knew it
1: be, I knew it would be good. I didn't know it would be this good. I have to be honest with you. I knew it would be good. This was awesome man. You know Appreciate by nothing but nothing it, but respect and love for you as a player and as a man. Same thing with you, Sam. Thank you, Coach. You guys are great.